we are in this world for a reason. And that is why I believe that we all need that opportunity to just find ourselves and to be independent as possible. Prayer is not something that is done by righteous people. It's not something done by those who are anointed. It is done by anyone because we are all created by God. I see the walls before me. I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me. I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barabricus Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I'm your host, George Dong. Today we have our Barrier Breaker of January 2024. Can you believe it's the new year already? And it started off great. Like this is the 4th of January. So this podcast should come out soon. But I have Barrier Breaker here and I can't wait for her to share her story. She's none other than Nobatembu Peter from South Africa. And I'm so glad to have you here. Please introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Joyce, for having me. I am, like you said, Nobatimu Peter. I am a disability lifestyle influencer. I'm a commercial model and public speaker and also a road accident survivor. Oh, wow. You know, this is about to be an interesting conversation. I like to have my guests on, especially when I don't have an idea about your story. It makes it enjoyable. It makes it more fun because then I'm like getting into this because it's the first time I'm hearing your story and I can't wait to really hear your story. You said that you were a road accident driver and how did we get there? Okay, so at the age of three, on my way to church with my sister and some kids from the neighborhood, a drunk driver drove into me and fled the scene. But unfortunately, he drove into someone's house and that's how they managed to court him. But so the injury that I sustained during the car crash, it left me paralyzed from the waist down with a spinal cord injury, T10. So those who have spinal cord injuries, they'll understand my level of injury. But yeah, it left me paralyzed from the waist down. The doctors told my parents that I'll never be able to walk again. And I mean, it's been 27 years now since that incident happened. And yeah, there has been no development, but at least there's small progress. I'm able to do things for myself. I'm quite physically independent, but otherwise the injuries are still the 
same. Wow. I was going to ask, how did you feel? But you were three years old. So more like, how did your parents feel, your family? Mm, exactly. Like, sure, they were devastated because growing up, my parents were like super, super overprotective of me. Like they still are, but at least I've had a number of conversations with them around my disability, you know, telling them that they should give me the liberty, you know, to find myself. The world is crazy, but we are in this world for a reason. And that is why I believe that we all need that opportunity to just find ourselves and to be independent as possible, regardless of whether you're disabled or not. But I'm sure it was very tough for them raising a child with a disability. Yeah, no one ever prepares you for that. Yeah. Okay, so you were three and you're talking about finding yourself because I know that people that are not having any form of disability still have to find themselves at some point. But with you, you are disabled. And how did you get to the point of finding yourself? Like, were you bullied in school? How was it like going to school, the community? And then coming to find yourself and being a voice. Mm. <laughs> um, that is actually a very good question because I grew up in an environment where I was constantly surrounded by other kids with disabilities. So I never felt like I was the only one with a disability or I was the odd one out because that's how disabled people feel. You know, in society, they feel like they are the odd ones out or they are the weird ones or the special ones, you know. But I grew up in an environment that allowed me to be a child to enjoy my childhood, even though I was different from my siblings. So I went to a boarding school for kids with disabilities. I attended schools for kids with disabilities. So that environment allowed me to know what are my strong points, my weaknesses, what I'm talented at, you know, so that I can enhance those qualities, you know, and just become a better version of myself and to also just allow me to dream, you know, because I didn't see myself as different from any other kid. You know, I was competitive. I did sport, you know, so I was quite an active child because of the environment that I was in. And that is amazing because it's very important to have such kind of environments for everyone where we feel like we are loved, where we feel like we are cared for, where we feel very important. Because if you are in a community, whoever you are, whatever situation you find yourself, if you're in a community that makes you feel less than, you need to get out of there. You need to come out of there because it kind of like your brain, your mindset changes. You know, you don't even know who you are. So being able to find this kind of environment, that is really, really great, especially in Africa too. Totally, totally. And you talk about finding yourself in the neighborhood where of that same had were disabled as well. Was it because of drunk drivers as well? No, some of them were born with disabilities and some of them had different, you know, reasons why they were disabled. So there was all these different types of disabilities. Some had intellectual disabilities, you know. So it's not that there was any physical, you know, things wrong with them. It's just that socially and psychologically, they couldn't function well in a normal environment. You know, they needed an environment that caters for their disability. And I mean, that's how I learned about autism, Down syndrome and all those things, because I was surrounded by autistic kids. You know, kids would just scream and you're like, what's happening with this kid? But we got to learn that they see the world different, you know. And I mean, growing up in such an environment still helps me even today, because now when I encounter people with other disabilities, 
disabilities, it doesn't freak me out. Like totally chilled about it. Like I don't even stare at them. You know, I don't even pay that much attention, you know, unless they say something interesting or, you know, unless they get my attention. But otherwise I just move on like I would see any other person. I actually want to act because I'm just trying to imagine in a place in Africa, this is 27 years ago, having this type of environment. I want to know whether there was like sensitizations been done on TV, whether there was like talks on different kinds of disability or stuff like that made people very aware. Because for me, where I'm coming from, I didn't even know that until after high school, like when I went to university and I'm talking about 10 years ago, 12, 15 years ago when I went to university and I'm like, I was teaching, I'm a Sunday school teacher. So oh, me too. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> so I was teaching Sunday school and I came across a couple of kids that were autistic and I didn't even know that. But back home, those kind of kids were like where they apparently their parents sacrificed them or something. And so maybe that's why they became like, but I always had that mindset that if I see a kid like that, their parents sacrifice them for something. And that's why, you know, they're disabled in one way or form. However, when I went abroad and I realized that was not the case for them, you know, I was like, wow. So this is actually not that someone was sacrificed because of this. So you know, coming to find out that there's a community out there in Africa that was very, very poor about this. That's why I'm asking that question about whether there was sensitization, there were talks on that or something like that. Not at all. Like nothing, nothing. Like in the media, like there was nothing to empower or to create awareness around disabilities, nothing. Like the only encounter you'd have with a disabled kid or disabled person is if you were to meet them in person, you know, maybe bump into them at the doctors or, you know, at the shopping center, you know, but otherwise, no. I believe that South Africa was treating disabled people very much the same as any other African country. We still have the issue of people with albinism you know, where they are being, you know, discriminated against or being seen as, you know, this money-making kind of thing where their families or community members want to sacrifice them, you know. I think what South Africa has been through is similar to other countries in terms of how they treat disabled people and how much they are actually doing for disabled citizens. Okay. I just wanted to find out because it's really interesting to see that is a great community that you found yourself in that I guess that has made you being part of who you are today. I applaud that community for being who they are, being true to themselves and making people recognize that, you know, the fact that I'm disabled here or there, I am still human. You know, I just see the world differently. And that's really great. So now going back to three years old and after the accident, did you have any dreams at all? Were you still able to dream? You know, do you remember how you felt at three when this accident happened? I grew up dreaming to be like a fashion designer. You know, I've always loved the idea of being in a runway, you know, especially New York Fashion Week, you know, like being part of those designers has always been a dream of mine. And also just being a voice for disabled people, you know, like advocating, doing TED Talks and stuff like that. Like I've always pictured myself like talking to a large audience. And I think that has always been my dream. And funny enough, it's like I'm stepping into that dream. Like I said the other day when we spoke, I'm actually living my dream without knowing it. It's just that I don't have that audience yet. But 
social media has given me that audience already. That is one thing that I've always wanted to do. And obviously travel, you know, travel around the world, touch lives, you know, preach the message of good, you know, like faith and just having hope, you know, restoring hope to those who have lost it because of their disability or because of whatever life has allowed to happen in their lives. So That's really good. So when you went to school, did you go to like, when you went to university, did you go to study fashion? You know, I actually wanted, my first year I wanted to go study fashion, but then my parents were like, yo, you're not going to make money out of fashion. You know, fashion is not an actual career. <laughs> and then I opted for psychology, but then also then psychology, like I studied it and then dropped out after the second year. I was like, no, this is not me. I enjoy helping people, but I don't see myself doing that for the rest of my life or even for a living. But otherwise, sometimes when I communicate with people, it shows that I did study psychology. <laughs> That's good. I was going through your page and I see that some of the your quote, just don't drink and drive. And it seems like you are an advocate for not drinking and driving, like drunk driving. I guess this is the reason why I'm pushing for it. But maybe you want to touch more on it to enlighten people. Mm, I think people, society has normalized drinking and driving, especially like in townships, rural areas, you know, small communities or black communities. You know, it's such a normal thing. We know someone who does it on a regular basis. You know, everyone know someone who drinks and drives, you know, or who does it whenever they get drunk, you know. So we as humans or as contributing members of society, I believe that we're not doing much. And that's why I started advocating for that, you know, because I don't want the next person to be like, oh, now I'm an advocate because I'm a victim. You don't need to be a victim of something in order to start speaking against it. So, yeah, man, it's been so normalized in South Africa that it is scary, like how many people lose their lives on the roads because of accidents that are caused by drunk drivers. So I think they normally say it's more of a social thing. You know, it's socially acceptable. It's socially normal, you know, whereas actually destroying people's lives. Yeah. And that's very important because apart from even drinking and driving, just even like holding a device and just texting. And like I said, people are doing content while they're driving. And I'm like, how did we get there? How did we get to the point where someone is recording themselves doing a lap while they're driving? Like, why? That is so normal. It's so normal now that once we start speaking against it, it's like, ah, you being a party pooper, you know, it has always been done, blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, we have a lot going on. I remember when I was getting my license in years to drive and there's a class that you take, a five-hour class, and they talk everything on drunken driving and all kinds of things. And you hear people's stories of just texting, I'll be home soon. And that was it. Just because they texted that while driving, they didn't see, that was it. It's as if that, it should be mandatory that we do that, like at least every two, three years, because kinds of accidents that happen on the way, it's just the other day, I'm guilty as charged, you know, <laughs> the other day I was just down the road, just going, I think I was what I was doing with my phone and I missed a deer. It just passed me and I quickly pressed on the brakes. However, I hit the leg. 
And because of that, it hit one of my lights. And just because I didn't see it on time, how also, you know, in my defense, the deer was like just running across because they don't have any sense to wait for it. There's a car coming the side and there's a car and I am moving the other way. But I forgot what I was doing with my phone. Either I was placing it down properly or something. I just missed it. Just like a second, you know, and it just tells that a second can change somebody's life. It just takes a second. It does take a second. So we are going to be on here encouraging people to just be careful, you know, with whatever you're doing, you're drinking, holding the device while driving. It's very key that, you know, you think about other people's lives because when we learn how to drive well here, they tell you like, you are the smartest person on the road. You should look out for yourself whilst driving. And that's because you don't know what the other person is, the person behind you or the person by the side of you or the person in front of you, you know, so your eyes are like all round. And of course, there's blind side, me teaching people how to but it's, of course, there's a blind side of us where mirrors might not even see. And so you want to turn a little bit to see, you know, just so you have been very cautious about people's lives. And also, I just hear stories of people. I'm from Ghana. I grew up in Gambia. And I hear stories of people that just like over the Christmas season when they come from abroad and, you know, they come back home where they drive across the streets and just you know, maybe probably because this car that, you know, no one really has in, in Gambia or something just want to show off. And then they just drive like, you know, really fast on the highway and they cause an accident on the way. So just the fact that you drive here crazily doesn't mean that we don't have the same kind of road. So one needs to be careful the way, you know, they are driving because people's lives are involved. Please tell us all the other stuff that you've been doing as well. So like I also mentioned that I am a commercial model. So I do adverts for brands, especially if it requires a disabled character, you know, or a disabled model, or if they promoting something about disability and inclusivity, then my agent would normally recommend me. But yeah, so that is basically what I do. And there's an advert that I did in 2022 that only started appearing last year on like at the store and people were like oh I just saw you on TV I went shopping and then I was waiting in the queue and I saw you you know so yeah man so a lot of people have been seeing me like all over South Africa and yeah man it's amazing to know that there's companies out there who are actually putting disabled people out there you know it, it's becoming normal and more common to see disabled people yeah and I mean I also did a documentary on one of our national TV channels last year but my focus there was on disability and sexual health because obviously, if we're going to talk about disabilities, we need to cover everything. So yeah, there's a lot of things that I do in my personal space. I'm involved with a few organizations that are, you know, for disabled people, by disabled people, because I believe that disabled people know better what they need than a non-disabled person. Yeah. So it's best for us to speak for ourselves, you know, to advocate for ourselves, yeah. because we understand our needs, you know, and where we we fit in society or where we fit in the economy as well because we are contributors of the economy you know as much as jobs are scarce for people with disabilities like we are less likely to be hired by companies because they don't see us contributors of the economy they don't see us role players within the economy of South Africa and those are the kind of things that I try to 
you know, create awareness around within my space and, you know, just on social media. And obviously I'm more popular on social media because of the things that I talk about, you know, the content that I post and all those things. But also in my community, I'm quite active because I've met people who are like, Yo, you're so clean for a disabled person. You take so good care of yourself. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm a normal human human being like everyone else obviously I need to take care of myself you know so I've really changed how people view I'm disabled people within my community and I believe that is not something that I need to overlook because one person is enough to change how others view themselves you know otherwise yeah man like I don't know if I mentioned it but I'm in a process of writing my book where obviously it's more of a memoir about my life But the focus is going to be on how I've seen God in everything that I've been through, how I've seen God in my disability, you know, in the things that I've been through. Because sometimes we go through things and we're like, where is God in all of this? Why can't I feel his presence? You know, why can't I see him? So, yeah. That's really good. Congratulations. So proud of you. Thank you. Based on what you've just said, can you tell us some of the misconceptions that people have about disabled people? Oh, totally. Because I did a video a while back, I think last week on TikTok, where I told them that, you know what, some people think that disabled people are out there to inspire them. You know, like, oh, you're such an inspiration. What? Just living a normal life, a normal, boring life. Like there's nothing exceptional or phenomenal that I've done with my life, but people already find me inspirational, you know? And then also this thing that disabled people can't have healthy relationships. They can't have family. They can't get married they can't have kids you know or they can't be successful because we are seen as beggars you know we are always just asking asking for help asking for assistance you know sometimes disabled people want to be givers as well you know they want to volunteer they want to do good things for other people you know we don't always want to be on the receiving end and that is one of the misconceptions that people have about disabled people and not every disabled person is unhappy with being disabled because I've heard people they're like yo I know this pastor who can heal you or I know this product that can actually help I'm praying for you for God to help you like who said I want to be fixed who said I want to be healed who said I want to walk like walking is so overrated you know so people are oh my god she did not say that they believe on me it's like oh man you're so young to be disabled like what does that mean oh god supposed to be disabled like who disabled to be disabled you know it is what it is and people just can't deal with that and yeah like those are some of the things that I need to deal with on a daily basis and obviously people asking intrusive questions yeah it's almost like disabled people are you know, are there for experimental purposes, you know, like if you want to experiment what it's like to have sex with a disabled person, then go date a disabled person. Or if you want to experiment. Also, another misconception is that disabled people are not happy. You know, it's like we're not happy with who we are. We want to be fixed or we want pity. And I mean, being pitied really does not empower anyone. You know, it just shows that you are seen as less 
you are seen as unable, you know, unable to do one, two, and three, you know. And it's actually very sad. That is how the world views disabled people. And I mean, some disabled people, they also take advantage of that. You know, they enjoy being pitied. They enjoy being felt sorry for, you know. They enjoy that thing where people are like, oh man, sorry this happened to you. Like, when do we move on from that? When do they move on? You know, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. But these are like the few misconceptions I think of right now. Did any of these things that anyone came to ask you, did it affect you in any way or form when people had such ideas about? Mm, Like it used to affect my confidence and obviously it did impact my self-esteem and how I viewed myself. But then I got to understand that what people think of me is not my reality and it's not me unless I agree with them, unless that is what I see in my own reflection, you know. So I never take people's words to heart, even if they compliment me. Like, yeah, sure, you can say a nice thing, but I'm not going to let that consume me or I'm not going to let that get to my head because then I'm going to be prideful, you know, or I'm going to be too full of myself, you know. And I believe there needs to be a healthy balance in our confidence. We must not be confident because we see others as less, but we must be confident because we are comfortable in who we are, you know, and that we are comfortable in our own skin. So my confidence does not rely on what others say or think about me. It's just based on what I think of myself and what I believe about myself and what I see when I look in the mirror. Yeah, that's good to know. And I just want to say that I think it's based off the environment you grew up in that made you, because some people did not grow up in such kind of environment. And of course, if in their mindset, there's a difference in the way they think and act and behave. So, So another thing I wanted to ask was in this journey of yours, have you encountered any challenges? And if you want to share some of the few challenges you've encountered and how you've been able to overcome them. I think discrimination has always been one of them where I constantly need to prove myself. That has always been an issue and it still is a challenge even now and not just only within the corporate environment, also like in church, in my community, you know, in social circles. Curls, you know, there's always these people who think that I'm different from them or who treat me a certain way, thinking that is how I want to be treated. You know, I believe that disabled people, they don't need special treatment. They need accessibility. You know, if you make sure that I'm able to function on my own, then that's what I need. I don't need you to hold my hand. I don't need you to do things for me. Allow me, enable me to do things for myself. So that is a challenge accessibility. It's a huge challenge. And also, like you said earlier on, that the media are not doing enough, you know, to create awareness around disabilities and just to show the world that there are disabled people. And there's a wide variety, a wide range of different disabilities. Not everyone who is disabled will use a wheelchair. You know, not everyone who has a disability has maybe a missing limp or a missing eye or something. There's different disabilities and sometimes people are not aware of those different disabilities and the minute they meet someone with a disability they know nothing about it's like that person is a weirdo or that person is crazy, you know. I believe that there's so much that needs to be done in Africa but I believe that South Africa has quite 
done a lot. We've grown a bit, but there's a long way to go. And I appreciate the fact that you're using your platform to advocate up to inspire other people and the way we are supposed to think about certain situations and yeah, speaking up. So it's good to know that there are people out there that are putting in the work and hopefully one day we'll get to that point where we're all on the same page and we are all hopefully thinking in the way that we are supposed to. Other than that, we are goal that putting in the work that you're doing how to advocate for things like that because we all cannot do everything, right? There's so many things to be able to talk about. There's so many things to advocate for, you know, and find and knowing that there is someone like you out there that is also speaking up, it makes the world a better place, right? And hopefully one day, you know, even with this platform, we're able to share it around to let people know, hey, we have this a way we're supposed to think. This is not what they expect. And I think I've heard a few of them, disabled people who come and say, the fact that we are disabled doesn't mean that we cannot be independent. We cannot do things on our own. Exactly. So you mentioned that you're writing a book and it's more about in your journey, about where was God in this, you know, because of the questions we ask. And one of the questions that I actually want to ask this year on my podcast is what's the importance of prayer in your life? Yeah, prayer is very important for me because prayer sustains us and prayer creates allows us to have a connection and relationship with God, you know, because I mean, how will you hear from God if you don't pray? You know, some people, they just want to hear from God if the pastor is preaching or if the pastor is praying, like pray for yourself and hear God's voice, recognize his voice for yourself, you know, because like in the midst of all the noise that is out there, we should be able to recognize the voice of God and be like, ah, this was God speaking to me, you know, and how can you do that if you don't pray? And I normally say to people that prayer is not something that is done by righteous people. It's not something done by those who are anointed. It is done by anyone because we are all created by God and he wants to have a relationship with all of us. And prayer allows us to have that relationship or that fellowship with God. Yeah, so prayer is very important to me. It's very, very important. And I don't think I would have been the woman that I am or I've be, I would have been where I am if it was not for prayer. Because I also believe that prayer meets us in the future, you know. So you may pray today, but what you are praying for will unfold a year from now or six months from now. Why is this happening? You know, you'll call it a miracle, not realizing that God is responding to your prayer or responding to your granny's prayer that she did while she was alive, you know. Because some of the things that are happening to us are happening not because we pray, but because someone prays prayed for us, you know, someone for us in their prayers. So prayer is very important to me. It's good to know. When did you come to this point of, you know, where the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know who I would have become if I was in your situation. I don't know what I would have done because the kind of person I am, I was very introverted in school. I had very low self-esteem. I don't know whether you ever encountered that. And when did you come to that point of this aha moment, like Oprah would say, where you were like, you know what, I can do this. I can be independent. I can no longer take this low self-esteem. I cannot look down on myself. Like point of, I know I can do this. I know I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. I know that I can speak up. I know I can help in my community. Like, when did you come to that point? Has this always been you? Like, is this... (laughs) No, I can't think of a aha moment, but I've always known that if I am strong or if I am comfortable in who I am, because the problem is society always tells us who we should be or who we could be. And that creates an identity crisis because now you're like, who are you exactly? Like, who 
the hell are you? You know? So I had to really like at a young age, understand that this is who I am. I'm a strong woman. I'm a brave young girl. I'm courageous and I am who I choose to be. So that has really carried me because even today, sometimes I'll be like, yo, I can't do this because I'm maybe not pretty enough. Maybe I'm not educated enough or maybe I don't know enough about this particular topic or conversation, you know? So I do have moments where I'm like, okay, I don't trust myself. I don't trust that I can do this. I know God is next to me, but even with him next to me, I don't think I have the strength to do it. Sometimes we have the strength where we're like, God, I know you will strengthen me, but why me? Like, isn't there anyone else who could do it better than me? So we all have those moments and it's not just a once-off thing. It's a continuous thing, you know, where you have to trust that God chose you for a reason. You know, he sees something in you that he needs, you know, and that you need to do what he has called you to do. So, yeah, we always have those moments. And I just thank God, you know, for never giving up on me, even though I've lived a sinful world life. I mean, I haven't always been a woman of faith. You know, I've been a woman who did whatever she wanted to do, whenever she wanted to do without any accountability. And now I'm like, he is the one who governs my life, my career path, wherever I go, wherever I need to be, God is the one who decides that for me. So now I'm in a position where I'm like, I am this person and God wants me the way that I am. I'm disabled because that's how God needs me in the season. So I will not force him to heal me. I will not pray about it because God knows if I want to walk or not, you know? And I mean, like you said earlier on that I was young when the accident happened. I don't know what it's like to walk. I don't know what it's like to have the sand in my feet or in my toes, you know? So these things that non-disabled people take for granted that I have never experienced. And sometimes I do want to experience those things, you know? I want to be able to stand and dance or jump or run around, but I'm not able to do that. And it's okay because at least I'm able to connect and I'm able to, what do they say, relate with another person, you know, who's in a similar position as I am. Right. I think one of my takeaways from our conversation today is being comfortable in your skin, being comfortable in who you are, and just not letting the world dictate to you who you are supposed to be. You know, you need to know who you are and be comfortable with it. And that's how you build your confidence. And I feel like that's how you've been able to build your confidence. Because when I think about myself, I'm just like, yo, I was like, "Mm -mm, I can't do this for me to even be here. And speaking, it's just God's grace. It's not even on my own power. Or I was super introverted, you know, and for me to be, I'm not even saying that I'm an extrovert. I am not <laughs> between, <laughs> but just for me to be where I am, I know it's just by God's grace, but I feel like I still find myself desiring and pushing to still be comfortable with who I am and being able to stand up for myself. Because sometimes it's like, you know, when do you do that? Or how do you go about this? But I feel like it's a Please, I'm still growing in to be able to be comfortable and be able to continue to speak up for myself. There are days, yes, I would stand up for myself, but there are some days it's like my club back will come back five or 10 days later. I'll be like, I should have said <laughs> I should have said it like this. I am still growing in that area, but I have to be comfortable with who I am. I have to know who I am so that I'm able to walk in that confidence. And not that I don't have confidence, but there are some days it's like, even for work, you're like, no, let's just be at the back burner, but to push out and one needs to collect to learn. What are the lessons you have learned along the way? Don't expect you from other people. 
You know, I'm one person. I don't take life too serious. I don't take myself too serious. I like joking around. So when I meet people who are so stiff, so strict, I'm like, relax, breathe, you know? So I don't expect myself from other people. I know that other people would be offended if I were to make a certain joke or if I would say something, you know, if I would say, ah, just get over it. You know, some people be like, you don't say that. And I believe there's people who are so invested in their emotions, in their feelings they're like yo this is how I feel about it like forget about your feelings use logic you know I've learned how not to rely on my feelings and not to do things based on how I feel because sometimes I would feel uncomfortable doing what God has called me to do but put the feelings aside because our feelings are not to be trusted they're not the same every day you know it's like you said you're not confident today tomorrow you're confident like imagine if you're gonna wait until we are confident enough to do things so I've learned that those are like the most important that I've learned and also don't rely on others to get to know God get to know God for yourself and yes go to church if you can because obviously some people are forever working so they hardly get time to go to church but then there's online churches that you can always join you know online communities where people pray together read the word of God so yeah just keeping God in the center of everything that I do is one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn because the minute I took God out of something that's where chaos started you know that's where I was like what am I doing why am I doing this you know whereas if I kept God in the center of it all he would guide and lead me and just surrendering to God and not always trying to be in control of everything because I mean we can plan, but God has the final say in how things work out for us. And also our choices sometimes determine how things work out for us. We can't say we're going to continue making bad choices and then pray that God is going to come through and save us. God is going to let us deal with consequences. So just taking accountability is one of the lessons that I've learned and not blame everyone else and be like, yo, that guy is the one who caused me to be paralyzed and now my entire life must be paralyzed. No, today I have the choice because I'm alive so I can choose how I want my life to play out. Yes, that guy caused the accident which I had no power or control over, but today I have that grace to make my own choices and to choose whether I'm going to sulk or to choose whether I'm going to rise above every challenge that I encounter. So those are some of the lessons that I've learned. And yes, I'm learning every day that I'm quite strong and quite brave, quite courageous. And I thank God for giving me the personality that I have. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's really good. The lessons that you all really learn along the way, it's so important in your journey of life for everyone that's listening. You know, once you're learning, you're growing. And as you go, like she says, don't see yourself in other people because the way people react to certain things, you know, especially when it comes to like cultures and everything, there's this culture conflict. And then you're like, but we don't do it this way, but this is how we do it here. And then you start having conflict just because of that. Recognize that not everybody does things the same where you do second to last question would be that it's one of the questions I asked on Barry Bricker's corner what do you know now that you wish you had known when you were younger I wish that I knew that I could do anything that my mind to and not allowing anyone else to dictate what I can or cannot do you know because I believe growing up with a disability 
I was constantly told about what I could do and what I couldn't do, that I made that my reality. But today I do whatever I believe I'm able to do. You know, if I believe I can fly, then I'm going to try and fly. But that is something that I didn't know growing up. You know, I didn't know that my mind is powerful and my will is strong. You know, if I want to do it, I will find a way to do it. So I wish I knew that. And I wish I knew that not everyone we meet has good intentions. Not everyone we meet has a kind heart, you know, or sees things the same way we do. That is a difficult one because I've made people, I'm like, why would you do that? What kind of a person are you? And I'll just look around myself and I'm like, if I was in that situation, I was definitely not going to do that or respond or react in that manner. But then again, like we said, people are different. And yeah, I wish the sooner I learned that, then I would have made quite some different choices. You know, sometimes our parents tell us, don't follow this person. This person doesn't have their best intentions for you. And you're like, no, this is my friend. And you know, (laughs) five, 10 years down the line, you're like, "Mm, my parents were right. If only I listened. If only, right. And that's not what we want to do, but it's part of our, sometimes we learn. Totally. What advice have you got to, for young people out there that feel like, it's hard. I can't break barriers. I cannot do this. What advice have you got for them? My advice for other young people is to have a relationship with God because God will tell you what the world will never tell you about yourself. God will allow you to be you, to be who he has created you to be and to also just find yourself and also just don't take everything people say to heart and be careful about what you allow people to pour into you or into your cup because not everything that is poured into us is good. You know, sometimes people pour in things into us that is going to make us sick later. You know, it might not make you sick today, but when time goes by, you're like, ah, something is wrong in this cup. So we need to be really mindful of what we allow ourselves to consume because what we consume has power to control us. It has power to influence us, you know, and yeah, that is basically, and just do you, don't focus on everyone else, do you? If you want to dance randomly, just, you know, I'm that type of person. I'm a, what do they call it? I'm very impulsive. So if I want to sing, I'll just sing. Whether I sing bad, I'll do it because that is what I want to do. So people should be courageous enough and brave enough to just be themselves. Thank you for that. Be brave and be yourself. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you for sharing story. I pray that it will impact someone's life out there that will listen to this and will encourage someone to step out on faith and defy the earth. We say thank you. Keep breaking barriers. We want to see more of you. I want to hear more of you. And I know that the world is your oyster and God will take you places that you never even imagined. So thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Joyce, for having me. Like, I mean, since the minute you and I started talking, like it has been exciting, you know. So thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate that. And hopefully God will really open doors for all of us as the year starts. And yeah, may we continue breaking barriers, not just in Africa, but globally. And just to have faith that what God has called us to do, that we shall indeed do it and continue doing the amazing work that you're doing with the podcast. Because I mean, having someone like me on the podcast, like, oh, like how did we get here? You I know. know. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing this January? Everyone is 
crazy. And but I'm so grateful that it was you. God being full of surprises. So I am encouraged by it. And so I pray that I become more comfortable in my skin. This is a place where I come to talk. And sometimes I say things that I'm like, mm, was I supposed to share that? But I let people that I'm so human. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming, seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head off the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming, I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head off the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything.